to episode 11 of the Fire Safety Matters podcast, where we bring you the latest news, views and opinion from across the UK's dedicated fire industry. My name's Brian Sims and I'm the editor of Fire Safety Matters magazine. We're delighted that this podcast is sponsored by the Fire Safety Event, which runs at the NEC in Birmingham on the 27th, 28th and 29th of April 2021. To register for the show, visit www.firesafetyevent.com. As always, I'm joined on the Fire Safety Matters podcast by my colleague Mark Sennett, the CEO at Western Business Media. Hi Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great, thanks Brian. And obviously we always start off this podcast with the news and you've got quite a big news story to start off with this week. So what have you got for us? It is indeed a major one, Mark. Uh, Following on from the major news of BAFE's acquisition of the Fire Industry Association's awarding organisation, BAFE has now issued further details in terms of what's going to happen next. As reported by Fire Safety Matters, BAFE and the FIA recently announced the acquisition of the FIA's awarding organisation by BAFE Fire Corps Limited. BAFE strongly believes this will be a prime opportunity for the fire industry to develop an exciting range of accredited qualifications designed to meet the demand for quality assurance of the individual skills and expertise required by the industry itself. This necessity, of course, was heightened by the Grenfell Tower fire and the subsequent lengthy reports on that tragedy compiled by Dane Judith Hackett and the Competency Steering Group. In the independent review of building regulations fire safety's final report mark uh, dame judith actually referenced the lack of a coherent approach towards competency levels and experience required or professional qualifications where these may be necessary and how these qualifications and experience should be evident so that they're clearly understood by all those operating within the system. When it comes to the fine detail, Firequal Limited will operate as a separate wholly owned subsidiary of BAFE with its own board of directors. The Firequal Limited board currently is made up of Chairman Lewis Ramsey, the former Deputy Chief Fire Officer of the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service, uh, Pauline Trieto, previously Executive Director of the BRE's Academy, Douglas Barnett, who's the Chairman of BAFE, and also BAFE's CEO, Stephen Adams. And just for clarity here, Mark, Firecore Limited will only offer examinations and qualifications. Neither BAFE nor Firecore Limited will be delivering any training. Firecore Limited will be working with licensed training organisations, including the FIA, will offer the approved syllabuses to their learners. BAFE considers this separation from training and examination and invigilation as currently operated at BAFE with the BS 5306 fire extinguisher examination to be important when it comes to delivering independent quality assurance of the process. Following the acquisition, the FIAO will continue to deliver its examinations until Firecore Limited has established the necessary systems and delivery processes. Firecore Limited itself aims to make this transition as quickly as possible, with all the requirements for off-call and the equivalent standards in Scotland and Wales already underway, apparently. Firecore Limited will take the opportunity to contact a wide range of organisations who currently deliver training across all aspects of fire safety to consider the application of the new range of qualifications that we'll be reviewing. Firecore Limited welcomes any approaches to consider how they should develop and very much looks forward to collaborating with the industry as a whole to progress the future of individual qualifications for the fire safety industry. Stephen Adams has commented, and I quote, There are natural synergies that will occur along with the base ethos of third-party certification for companies delivered through licensed certification bodies. We believe the introduction of accredited qualifications will only enhance the BAFE company schemes. Stephen, in fact, is the lead guest on this edition of the Fire Safety Matters podcast and outlines in great detail what's going to happen next. Very interesting times here, Mark, for qualifications in the fire sector. Well, I know it's something that you and I are very passionate about, seeing raising of standards and competency across the sector. And for me, this seems like the perfect alignment. BAFE seem perfectly placed to take over as the awarding uh, organisation for there. It just makes 
perfect sense. It makes sense for FIA, who pretty much are the leaders in fire safety training, to deliver the training. And as you said, there's a key thing here. BAFE are not delivering the training. That's not what they're doing. That is the FIA, and there'll, there'll obviously be others down the line. So this seems like a perfect refocusing of exactly how these qualifications we pushed out to the market. And I can't really add too much more than what you've added, other than, you know, I've spoken to Stephen in private and I've spoken to Ian Moore, and everyone seems very happy about this. And as I said, it seems perfect synergy between the two. And of course, we'll learn about this in great detail from Stephen Adams in a moment, who, as you said, is our main guest this week. But if I now move on to my story that I wanted to cover first, and I was looking through the website of different stories that you've written, and, and this was interesting. We, all, we always look at market research reports and like to share them. And there was a good one on the active fire protection market that you covered. So the active fire protection market, of course, comprises fire detection, alarm systems and suppression systems. So there was a research that came out from AMA Research, which shows that the active fire protection market is expected to grow by 14% between 2020 and 2024. That's great news if you're a sprinkler manufacturer or you're advanced to cheeky Kentech, etc. on the panel and detection side. But alarm detection systems account for about 63% of the overall overall active fire protection market, having gained slightly in terms of market share over the last two decades, the majority of installation of the products and systems going into non-domestic sectors, which of course is where you all work, whether it be in a, in a tall building, or you're working in a, in a huge manufacturing premises, you know, we're, we're obviously aiming at that market. So over the last decade or so, innovations in detection technology has significantly reduce the likelihood of the number of false alarms happening. And this makes a big difference. And we've all seen how the Fire and Rescue Service has now started to put in call-out fees if there's too many false alarms. But the number of false alarms have massively reduced, Brian. And there's been some great projects. BAFE were involved in it too with the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service in terms of a project in eliminating false alarms. But without a doubt, a large part of this is due to just massive step forwards in the quality of the products that are in there. You know, for their part, domestic smoke alarms only account for a small proportion of the total active fire protection market's value. But AMA Research currently forecasts that a decline for active fire protection measures in 2020 is going to happen because of COVID-19. This is obviously based on the closing down of certain building sites and furloughing of employees. But we go back to fire detectors. These serve to identify where a fire is occurring or by locating heat, smoke or flames. And this obviously will deliver an audible alarm, I'm talking obvious here, uh, before it notifies the fire and rescue service. But the expectation for fire detectors through this research is they think 17% growth in that market between 2020 and 2024, where Overall, the main high figure here, Brian, was a 14% growth for the active fire protection market in general over that four year, well, the next four years. But, you know, 17% growth just in the fire detection market was an interesting statistic. And it ties in nicely to the Fire Industry Association. Again, they do their state of the market report each year. This will be welcome news for manufacturers out there because it's it's been a tough year for all of us hasn't it brian you know in a sense we're seeing with number of building sites closing down because of covid and now having started to reopen so it was right that we shared some good news that it looks like we're going to see some good growth in the in the active market so i don't know if there's anything you want to add to that brian yes mark high levels of publicity and greater awareness of fire safety measures particularly so within high-rise buildings indeed stimulate demand for active fire protection products you would have to say it's likely this will be witnessed in both new installations and notably so in the replacement sector of course 
Increasingly, businesses are adopting integrated fire and security systems, which is likely to remain a key feature of the industry going forward. For their part, IT-based security systems will often include fire protection systems in combination with other security and safety measures, such as video surveillance, access control, and intruder alarms on a single network. Speaking in general terms, Mark, Laura Pardo, who's the editor of the Active Fire Protection Market Report, has informed Fire Safety Matters, and I quote, the active fire protection sector is mature and has been primarily driven by the wider performance of the UK's building and construction market. That said, changes to building regulations in the wake of Dame Judith Hackett's independent review will provide additional demand for the fire protection industry, particularly with regard to sprinkler systems in high-rise buildings. So again, much food for thought there, Mark. Our first guest on this edition of the Fire Safety Matters podcast initially appeared on episode three. It's Stephen Adams, the CEO of BAFE. Stephen and the team at BAFE have enjoyed a particularly busy period across the last few months, with the recent announcement that BAFE has now acquired the Fire Industry Association's awarding organisation and is now setting up FireQual Limited. Fire Safety Matters was the first journal in the sector to publish this story, and to find out the latest developments, I spoke with Stephen about the background to the deal, key appointments being made, and what happens next when it comes to qualifications in the fire sector. Stephen, precisely why did BAFE decide to acquire the Fire Industry Association's awarding organisation? Morning, Brian. The opportunity was presented to us towards the back end of 2019. We've obviously had discussions with the FIA since they established FIAAO because the industry, and particularly in the area of fire alarm technicians, has needed qualifications, properly accredited qualifications, for a long time. And the initiative that they took to set it up, I I always admired and and I felt they were doing the right thing. But I guess the issue from their point of view is um, trying to get that out to the wider industry, not just those who wanted training through the FIA. So in terms of an opportunity, everything that we've been doing on the working groups set up by Dame Judith Hackett has pointed the industry towards competence. Now, BAFE is the body that awards third-party certificated competence registration for companies, and it's a natural, a natural link through that we start to look at awarding properly accredited qualifications for the individuals. So it just seemed a natural fit at the time. Obviously, COVID got in the way a bit. So it came to a bit of a grinding halt in March. But I have to pay tribute to the BAFE board and a number of individuals within BAFE and the FIA that once we tried to get a measure of what COVID was going to be doing to the fire and construction industry, we took the decision again in in May-June time to restart the discussions and get on with it. But this is all about independent measurement and approval of competence, and that just fits naturally into what BAFE does. How did the deal evolve, and can you explain a little about the basics of what happens now in terms of the establishment of FireQual Limited? Well, as I say, the, the, the early discussions were towards the back end of last year when we were approached by Ian Moore and other members of the FIA board and, and Douglas Barnett, my chairman, and I had 
a number of discussions with them about whether BAFE was interested in doing this and what the sort of heads of agreement of, of, of a deal might look like. It has always been on the basis that BAFE is not a training organisation. Many moons ago, before my time, so that's 11 years ago, BAFE did provide training for extinguisher technicians, but then that was switched so that we offer invigilation and exams for that particular competence. But we, we, we had those discussions, were able to agree the basis of a deal that obviously changed a little bit with with COVID and, and how it can be done. So that we arrived at a point a little while ago where I set up Bay Farquhar as a wholly owned subsidiary of, of BAFE British Approvals for Fire Equipment Limited because I was absolutely certain that it had to be a separate organisation with its own board, but very much linked into BAFE, who will be providing the, the, the seed corn funding to set it up. But it, it needs, again, to be an independent body that offers qualifications right across the sector and related sectors. So we arrived at a point, once the solicitors had done all of their work, where I could begin to look for a qualifications manager, because whilst BAFE has a lot of knowledge about the fire industry, we have very little knowledge about independent qualifications. So I I've, uh, went and used a specialist agency and we've recruited an excellent candidate who starts today, Nick Preston, who's going to be running all of the qualifications side, reporting to me, reporting to the new Farquhar board who will ultimately report to the base board. So we signed agreements two weeks ago now to crack on with it. And what's the governance structure for Firequall Limited, Stephen? And could you outline its key aims for the benefit of our readers, please? As I say, there's a, a, a board that is separate to BAFE. The new chairman is Lewis Ramsey, who many people in the fire industry will know. He was deputy head of the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service and um, has had a strong interest in competence and qualifications throughout the UK. He's... he's sphere of interest wasn't just within Scotland. We have Douglas Barnett, who is the chairman of BAFE, is also a director. And at a fairly early stage, I was recommended to the expertise of Pauline Trato, who was executive director of the BRE Academy until fairly recently. She is extremely knowledgeable on the workings of Ofqual on exam delivery, particularly online exam delivery, which is the basis of what FIA AO have been doing and has been an enormous help to me in terms of, of beginning to get this, this setup going. So we, ha we had to bring in fire and competence expertise. We have to bring in educational expertise. And, and, and we, we don't want a large board, but we, we may consider bringing on another director again from a, a an independent educational background but we'll see how that progresses the aim of of Farqual is to try and bring together and develop qualifications for the fire industry i've spoken at some length it has to be said during the whole course of the grenfell working groups about the need for the fire industry and related sectors to have proper qualifications the professional bodies were there and, and my great fear at the outset was that the, the, the professional bodies, particularly in the construction industry, would try and take over 
if you like, the, the, the competent discussion. Whereas it's the trades, it's the people who install things and maintain things and design things and do assessments who actually deliver safer buildings. And we've not had properly approved qualifications in, in most, I would say, of, of those skills. We will be aiming to to offer those skills using the expertise of people in every sector. We have a model within within BAFE where we have monitoring groups. Each of the BAFE schemes has a monitoring group which looks at the scheme, makes sure it's up to date, makes sure it meets current standards. And I'm intending to set up different monitoring groups for each area of qualification. So we've got experts from those sectors working with us to determine what should be on the syllabus within each area. So we're, we're, we're aiming to provide independent, independently assessed qualifications. We are working hard to get Ofqual approval and Scottish Qualifications Authority and Qualifications Wales approval um, so that we can offer these qualifications right across the UK and then work with trainers, of which there are many, excellent trainers to uh, license them to deliver these qualifications and then we will offer the exams. So our first priority is to bring across all of the data and the IT that uh, FIA have been working on for the last four years uh, and get that in place so that we can deliver the exams. And then we'll be looking, and I have to say there's already a queue forming, um, we'll be looking out into wider areas of competence and expertise um, to develop and deliver qualifications in those areas. And how will the new awarding organisation actively enhance qualifications for practising fire sector professionals, do you feel, Stephen? As I say, the first thing we'll be doing, and, and I would just say, I'm not answering your question quite, Brian, but it, it, it's relevant. For the next couple of months, at least, FIA will be continuing to provide the exams for their training, whilst we establish our own processes and IT in order to be able to do that. Uh, the aim is to get that done by no later than the 1st of November and, and um, Nick's job together with Pauline and, and others will be to, as I say, bring across that data, ensure that the GDPR is right so that we can uh, start to take on those exams and then spread them out more widely. But I think the, 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 the key words in this are independence, working with quality approved trainers and looking at the sectors that we know already are there and other areas that, that the um, Hackett working groups have been pointing out need proper qualifications. I mean, the, the, the obvious, there's two obvious examples. Um, one of which is the current extinguisher technicians exams, which, as I say, both currently provides about 70, 75% of all of those. But we'll, we want to and do work closely with the other trade associations who, who do the examinations to get that on board as a properly accredited qualification so that technicians can say they've got a level two, level three, whatever, whatever it is turns out to be. And then fire risk assessment, there are no proper qualifications for a fire risk assessor. There's some extremely good courses about, there's some very good training about, but they're not accredited. And we need to be sure that 
the end users, the new building safety managers and all of the, the setup that is being put into the building safety bill will be able to seek out and find well-qualified, developing qualified people who can meet their requirements. So, and, and, and that spreads right across the industry. We've got our schemes where individual competence can be uh, an important part of those. Um, there are other areas which we don't currently have uh, our own BAFE schemes that we will be offering it. So there's going to be a lot of hard work. There's a lot of ambition there. BAFE has always been about providing third-party certificated competence for companies and the individuals who work in them. And now we've got a new tool and measure whereby we can provide third-party accredited competence for the individuals who work in them. And lastly, Stephen, what plans are in place for consulting the industry on the best way forward for fire education and what form will that consultation take in practice? Well, I've already mentioned the, the, the monitoring groups and we rely on industry experts to help us and advise us on what should be included in our current competency schemes and we will be doing the same to advise us on what should be within the syllabus and within the qualifications um, for FireQual. The training organisations obviously have a lot of skills. We need to be finding good people who can actually write questions. That's a very much a skill of its own. So we, we will be looking at the industry. We've just begun setting up the FireQual website and people can register interest there. We have a lot of contacts through the work that, and I, if I can just, again, leap slightly sideways, Chris Auger, we've just appointed him as Director of Schemes for BAFE with the responsibility of, of, of running the schemes, which he does on a day-to-day -day basis now. Um, but he's done a fantastic job on a number of the working groups. I'm thinking particularly of the uh, installers working group and others, and then the central competency group to spell out the importance of third-party certification. And uh, we've had a lot of support from UCAS in, um, at a very high level in, in doing that. So it, uh, we want to involve trainers, we want to involve the industry and all those who have the best interest of fire safety and life safety at the top of their agenda because it's at the top of ours and that's why we're doing this. As I say, BAFE won't be doing training. It will be very much down to the trainers to determine and to get the candidates. We will not limit the, who candidates are. You don't have to work for a BAFE registered company. That's why I wanted to maintain that separation. So anybody who wants to gain the qualifications, um, approach the training bodies who we will be approving and monitoring in the same way that we approve and monitor our certification bodies. So, you know, a, a, another parallel. But anybody who wants to gain the qualifications and goes to one of our registered trainers as we begin to establish them can gain that qualification, whether they work for a BAFE registered company or not. It's about improving competency and skills and, and the more we can involve as broad a range of the fire industry and the related sectors um, the better it will be and that, that will be our mission over the next few years.
So, Brian, we're straight back into the news now, and there's some news coming out of the National Fire Chiefs Council. Mark Hardingham, who's currently the Chief Fire Officer for Suffolk Fire and Rescue Service, and is also the Chair of the National Fire Chiefs Council's Protection and Business Safety Committee, he's set to take up the role of Chair of the NFCC in April next year. For an additional two-year period, Mark Hardingham is set to succeed Roy Wilshire, who's the current chair, and obviously we had Roy on as a guest recently on the podcast. It's definitely worth everyone going back to listen to Roy's comments. And Roy's held that role ever since the role was formed back in April 2017. And a lot of you guys will know that the NFCC came out of CIFOA and moved on, the Chiefs Fire Officers Association, and now is obviously the National Fire Chiefs Council. So from 2010 to date, Hardingham has served with Suffolk Fire and Rescue Service as Deputy Chief Fire Officer, and now, as I said a moment ago, Chief Fire Officer and Executive Director. And he's got responsibilities ranging from the Fire and Rescue Services to the Trading Standards, Emergency Planning, all the way through to Health, Safety and Wellbeing, Equality, Inclusion, Highways and Passenger Transport. It's a wide-ranging role as a Chief Fire Officer. His background is from 91-2010. He was with Essex County Fire and Rescue Service, working in various roles from a firefighter all the way through to Assistant Chief Fire Officer, and has also served as a peer reviewer for the Local Government Association and the Chief Fire Officers Association. And he's led peer reviews in Warwickshire, Lincolnshire and Northamptonshire, and also for the Cornwall Fire and Rescue Service. Since 2018, Harlingham has worked closely with Her Majesty's Inspectorate of Constabulary for Fire and Rescue Services. He's led Suffolk Fire and Rescue Service is one of three fire and rescue services to pilot and develop the inspection framework. And in addition, he's also a member of the Inspectorate's external reference group. So yeah, Mark's extremely experienced in this and has been a Chief Fire Officer and an Assistant Fire Officer for a great number of times. He's like a really sensible appointment. I'd certainly like to send out my congratulations to him and also thank Roy for all of his hard work. It was great catching up with him the other week. Roy's worked tirelessly and be a hard act to follow but it seems like a you know really positive appointment is there anything else you want to add there brian it is indeed a positive appointment mark uh, Teresa budworth who's chair of the nfcc's board of trustees has herself paid tribute to roy wilshire as the council's inaugural chair at the same time welcoming mark hardigan into his new role budworth has stated firstly i would like to thank roy for his tremendous dedication to and hard work on behalf of the nfcc under his leadership, the organisation has achieved so much in a relatively short period of time. It's testament to Roy that the NFCC has established a pivotal role in advising government and supporting fire and rescue services right across the UK while implementing national policy and delivering critical national work streams. Budworth continued, the NFCC was formed only two and a half months before the tragic Grenfell Tower fire. Roy offered the sector and government outstanding help and guidance during what was a very demanding period. His membership on the government's expert panel and now as chair of the protection board has been pivotal in making change for the better. In addition, Budworth stated, it's a credit to Roy's leadership and the NFCC is in the strong position it finds itself today, ensuring that the fire safety sector is on the front foot and able to continue to protect local communities with excellence. I offer Roy my sincere thanks. All of the team members here at Fire Safety Matters would like to congratulate Roy on his highly successful tenure as chair of the NSCC 
And of course, we also wish Mark Hardigan well in taking on his new role. Yeah, no, Theresa well, and I think you've covered it very, very well in Theresa's comments. Um, yeah, very accurate. Roy had a lot to do just two months after being set up. The NSCC, the Grenfell Tower tragedy happened. So, Brian, what else have you got to as our final news story this week? Well, we're actually carrying on the firefighter theme, Mark, in fact. Medical and safety technology specialist Draeger is launching its Health for the Firefighter campaign in order to support fire and rescue services in driving the cultural changes deemed to be required in order to protect firefighters' health going forward. The launch itself follows a survey of UK firefighters conducted back in July that unearthed considerable concern over the impact of exposure to contaminants on long-term health. Some 84% of those firefighters questioned, in fact, admitted they were concerned about the risk of cancer. This is a disease highlighted in some scientific reports to be the leading cause of death within the fire and rescue service as a whole. On that last point, Mark, the International Association of Firefighters reports that nearly two out of every three, i.e. 61%, firefighter line-of-duty deaths between 2002 and 2017 were caused by cancer. Embedded carcinogens in any equipment can easily be absorbed by the men and women using it. The survey by Draeger also found that 68% of firefighters fear the impact of COVID-19 on their long-term health, a point picked up by Brian Hessler. Brian is the consultant and specialist advisor at Draeger Safety UK and the former chief fire officer for the Northumberland Fire and Rescue Service. Hessler himself has observed, and again I quote, the COVID-19 pandemic and the ongoing fears over cancer have highlighted the critical importance of hygiene. A significant cultural change is obviously required. We need to move away from firefighters wearing dirty kit like a badge of honour that proves their hard work and value towards understanding that clean and well-maintained kit supported by detailed and robust hygiene processes that mitigate every contact with contaminants is absolutely essential. The Hessler continued, one firefighter surveyed said there had always been a bit blasé about invisible contaminants. This situation simply has to change. The Health for the Firefighter campaign will support the fire and rescue services in helping to communicate and indeed provide training on the importance of detailed hygiene processes, from the handling and storage of masks and breathing apparatus right through to the subsequent cleaning of kit after an incident has actually taken place. It will also offer bespoke workshop solutions that allow firefighters to guide the potentially contaminated kit from entering the station through to washing and drying processes and on again towards leaving the fire station to be used once again. The July survey also revealed the most important factor in combating firefighter concerns over contaminants to be the cleaning of masks, with 97% of respondents rating this as very or extremely important, closely followed by the cleaning of breathing apparatus and the cleaning of PPE. While manual cleaning of equipment is still generally the norm within UK fire and rescue services, the survey revealed three quarters of respondents believe that mechanical equipment washing would improve their health. It's clear from all this that there's a good deal of concern over the cleaning of equipment due to the pandemic mark. Consistency has to be the key here, it would seem. The manufacturers of medical and safety technology products have a responsibility to innovate solutions that support change. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. You know, many of you will know that we have a sister podcast, the Health and Safety Matters podcast, which um, I host, and it's obviously for our sister publication, Health and Safety Matters. And I've run a number of articles over the year with Draeger to do with PPE, and, and many of the listeners here will be responsible for health and safety as well as fire safety. And And more and more, health and well-being is becoming part of the job. It's becoming part of your job. And you can supply the right amount of equipment or the right equipment, but it does need to be properly maintained and properly washed, cleaned and decontaminated. The, The hidden killer aspect has been a big concern. There used to be the hidden killer campaign to do with asbestos, etc. But actually, COVID-19 has highlighted 
the, the concerns about the other the hidden contaminants and this is a very worthwhile campaign firefighters as i've said many a time on this podcast do a really really important job but as you've highlighted here brian and as this campaign shows they're not just at risk when they're out fighting a fire it's what what's been burning around them what's been caught on their clothes what protective equipment how is it being maintained it's it's when they're getting their kit off and having to put it back on is it safe to put back on and as I've said on many podcasts, everyone that goes to work has a right to come home safe. And in the firefighters' case, as I've just said there, it's not just about when they're going in risking their lives in a fire. Their health is still at risk from what they can be exposed to. So I think, you know, it's great that Drago are raising this, and it's certainly occupational health, occupational cancers is something that continues to need to be tackled. So, yeah, it was definitely a story worth sharing. So as we move on now to our second guest is Warren Spencer's back. Warren obviously had a week off last time because he was on holiday, but Warren has prosecuted more cases than anybody else under the fire safety order. I think it's more than 200 cases now. And I sat down with Warren earlier on and I asked him a question that we had in from a listener. Here's what he had to say. Morning, Warren. How are you? Morning, Mark. I'm very good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, good. I think, you know, we've both come back from a holiday each, so hopefully refreshed and ready to go. Uh, you have a good time in Turkey? Yeah. Very good time, thank you. Yeah, forgot about work for a week, which was necessary at that point. Well, in your absence, obviously we missed you on the last podcast, but as I said, good reason for you being away with the family. But we've had a good question come in, and for anyone listening to this episode of the podcast, Warren is here for you to give you advice. And if you want to ask Warren a question or get me to ask Warren a question, all you have to do is go on to Twitter or LinkedIn and use the hashtag FSM podcast. And we've had a question in this week and I thought we'd start off with that today, Warren, if that's okay. That's fine. Okay, so I'll read it as it is. So I'd like Warren to explain the duty of a holiday company who markets holiday lettings in relation to the fire safety order. An example would be a family have rented a holiday home from a holiday company who only market the property which is privately owned and the property has substandard fire safety precautions. Would only the owner of the premises be liable, or would the holiday company who are acting as the marketing strength management have a level of responsibility? Warren, if you could discuss any prosecutions in relation to holiday homes, I'd be really grateful, is what our listener says. So can you tackle for that for us, please, Warren? Yeah, sure. The, the, I have had cases involving holiday lets, um, and first of all, whether the order applies, and it's, it's clear that the order does apply, it's not single private dwelling, so holiday lets certainly covered by the order. But the, whether or not the holiday marketing company can be, have a level of responsibility, which is what the question asks, um, I would say yes, because we've been through this before. It's, it's Article 5 of the Fire Safety Order and whether or not a, a person has control over premises. If a holiday let a company, marketing company, is placing people in premises, that is a degree of control because it has the power not to put them or direct them to that property, which is the ultimate control. If it goes further and the holiday let company is aware that the premises are substandard from a fire safety point of view, then clearly they can potentially be liable under the fire safety order because they have that level of control to be able to say, no, we don't recommend this property because, and they can say there are issues with the fire safety. So if a file prosecution file landed on my desk where a, a family had been to a, 
a holiday let and we've been concerned about the fire safety standards within those premises, yes, immediately I would look at the owner for not implementing the appropriate uh, safety measures, but I would look at anybody else who had potential control. Uh, and then I would look at the contractual situation which existed between the owner and the holiday let company. Um, and that should outline the obligations of the holiday let company. Uh, if that contract deals with restricting the obligations of the holiday let company, then that's what obligate, that's what Article 5.4, uh, 5 in brackets for, deals with. Um, if there isn't any particular restriction uh, on the control or obligation, then I would look at both parties and I'd look to prosecute both parties. Well, thanks for that, Warren. That I'm hoping that our listener got everything that he wanted out of that. As I said earlier on, if you'd like to get your question asked to Warren, he is here to assist you. All you need to do is go onto Twitter and LinkedIn and use the hashtag FSM podcast. Now, Warren, as always, if people want to get in touch with you, what well, is the easiest way to do that? By contacting Blackhurst Bud Solicitors, which is uh, easily found on Google or through LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn or via Twitter um, at Fire Safety Law on Twitter in the usual way. Thanks, Warren. It's great to see you. Thank you, Mark. guest on this episode is Andy Spence. Andy is the sales director and general manager at Britannia Fire, the independent producer of fire extinguishers that has now been in business since the 1970s. Ongoing product development is very much key for the business and with this in mind, Andy tells Mark about the latest thinking in the world of fire suppression. Good afternoon, Andy. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you, Mark? Yeah, good. It's good to have you on. So, I've got a number of questions for you today, but you, you actually approached me wanting to talk about quite an interesting topic. So, I'd like to start off with that. When, when we were off air, you were talking about innovation and how this can sometimes be stifled by how long it takes to meet the relevant standards in the fire sector. So, this would be a good topic to talk about to our listeners. So, could you give us your thoughts on this, Andy? Yeah, sure. I mean, innovation is, is something we're always passionate about at Britannia Fire, and we've we've done quite a few innovations in our time. And and it's really pleasing to see that the UK government are also driving the passion for innovation by giving grants and R&D tax credits and so on and so forth. So, you know, you go out there and you get this innovation, you grasp it, you do all the, all the technical work behind it and develop your strategy and you get a disruptive technology, and you try and bring it to market, and it just gets stifled. It's frustrating. It's unbelievable. So frustrating. And it does take a long time, doesn't it? It can take up to five years to meet the relevant standards. It does, and I think that's your concern, isn't it? That it it just takes too long. And and you shared with me earlier that meeting standards isn't a legal requirement, is it? No, I would certainly in the BS five three hundred six is the servicing standard for portable fire extinguishers. Is is basically it's a code of practice. It's a voluntary standard. A lot of people uh, don't understand that, and. Because we've tried to get the P50 composite extinguisher into the standards and been met with this resistance from certain members of the of the panel, what we've had to do is, is go down an alternative route, and that alternative route is standing outside of the standards. Now, when we stand outside of it, it creates confusion to the customer. 
But when you explain those nuances to them, um, and the and the explains them that we're working alongside um, the EN3 and the European standard, then they, they tend to understand it and, and see why the the, the uh, innovation is being stifled to some, some degree. So we'll come back on to Composite English in a moment, but not all of our listeners will be familiar with your company, Britannia Fire. Can you tell us a bit more about Britannia Fire and, and what the company does? Yeah, sure. Well, actually, it's, it's our 50th year this year, so we really are celebrating our 50th year. As Britannia Fire, a, a British manufacturer based out in, in Norfolk, just on the outskirts of, of, of the city itself. Our founder, Roger Carr, he's 75 this year, so we've got a double celebration as well. So with his 50 years and he's 75 years in the industry. And Roger's always been in the forefront of, of uh, innovation. It's, it's in his blood, it really is. And uh, he's developed some wonderful products over the years, developed them, brought them to market. And uh, yeah, and he, he shows no sign of retiring at the moment either. So yeah, he's still as passionate as he was from day one. And you know, we've talked about it. you are passionate about innovation over at Britannia Fire. And our listeners and the readers of Fire Safety Matters are very diverse in terms of their, their job roles and, and what they do. But you also have a very diverse list of clients so i thought it'd be quite useful for you to be able to share with people that aren't familiar with britannia fire just a list of some examples of who your client base is that have taken up composite extinguishers because a number of the clients you have will be very similar organizations that our listeners work for yeah sure uh, heathrow was was one of our, our major clients to bring on board they they want to work with small to medium enterprises we tick that box. We have the innovation. We have the circle economy for them. So Heathrow was a really good one. We've done uh, many, many others, such as UBS Bank, uh, Canary Wharf, Autoglass, to, to water companies. We, um, one that we've done really well is in universities. And if you asked me three years or four years ago how many universities we had a box, we're about three. We've now got 19. So, you know, it's growing all the time, really is growing. So hopefully you won't have to shoot me for asking you this, but can you share with us what's next in your product pipeline? Yeah, we've got uh, some some technical advances on uh, a, a new foam extinguisher where our current life on our current foam is 10 years. There have been talks of 20 years on this. So that's something we're looking at and we'll look at very closely and very seriously. And also developing the range further to include a water mist P50. Again, service free, so you won't require an annual service from somebody to 5306, but this inspection could be carried out basically in-house by the end user themselves using our latest technology with our app, which shows you how to carry out the maintenance and also uh, records it for you and reminds you every year. It'd be remiss of me not to ask you, but how have you guys coped during the COVID-19 pandemic? How's business been for you guys? How have you coped? Yeah, we've done really, really well. I think one of the things that we, our unique selling point is that to put our extinguishers in, you don't need people coming in, in off the street to service them. So uh, we've, we've gained a lot of work with NHS. Uh, so a number of NHS trusts have now started putting the P50s in. We've also done a lot with schools and also with uh, the ambulance service. A number of different ambulance, ambulance services across the UK have now started implementing the P50s as well. So, yeah, it's been a really busy time for us. Well, that's really positive. And, you know, for those that have been listening today, if they want to find out more information about Tenure Fire or to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way to do so, Andy? 
sales at Britannia-fire.co.uk. If you drop us an email to that, then we'll get back to you straight away. And can you share the web address for your company website as well? Yeah, we've got two. So it's www.britannia-fire.co.uk. If that's a bit of a mouthful and you can't remember it, it's www.p50.co.uk. Andy, thanks for joining us today. It was really great to hear your views. No, thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. latest edition of the Fire Safety Matters podcast. Many thanks indeed to Stephen Adams from BAFE, Warren Spencer of Blackhurst Bud Solicitors and also Andy Spence from Britannia Fire for their valued contributions. You can read more on the issues raised here and others by visiting the Fire Safety Matters website at www.fsmatters.com. We do hope you've enjoyed the content and found it useful. On that note, please do contact us if there are any particular themes or issues you would like us to explore on upcoming broadcasts. You can do so on Twitter by using the hashtag FSMpodcast. Do make sure you follow us on Twitter at FSMatters underscore MAG. As a reminder, the Fire Safety Matters podcast is live to view every fortnight on Wednesdays. Please do like and share the content and spread the word among your industry colleagues. You can listen to the Fire Safety Matters podcast for free on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube or Podbean. All you need to do is enter the term Fire Safety Matters into your chosen platform search box. We'll see you next time. (music) 